Support for this podcast comes from Aluba. Aluba is a leader in data science and analytics skills assessment, offering comprehensive testing and candidate benchmarking with seamless integration into your hiring process. Aluba helps you assess the skills of data professionals in a fast and unbiased way, allowing you to uncover hidden gems which are often overlooked during manual CV screening. With Aluba, you can save the time and cost of filling data and analytics vacancies by providing an advanced online skills assessment and instantaneous feedback to all of your candidates. Find out more about Aluba at aluba.com slash recruiting future and book a demo today. That's aluba.com slash recruiting future. And Aluba is spelled A-L-O-O-B-A. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 358 of the Recruiting Future podcast. As digital transformation accelerates even faster, the market for data analysts, data scientists and data engineers continues to grow exponentially. So how do employers make sense of this talent market to hire the right skills for their business? And can data science be applied to the process itself to drive better outcomes? My guest this week is Tim Freestone from Aluba a company that's helping to answer these questions and change the way data and analytics skills are assessed. Our interview is very wide-ranging, and Tim shares some very valuable insights relevant not just to recruiting data professionals, but also for broader talent acquisition strategies. Hi, Tim, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Matt. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm Tim. I'm uh, down in Sydney, Australia, and I'm the founder of Aluba, and we're a hiring platform for analytics and data science roles. Fantastic stuff. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about what your platform does later in the conversation, but I think it would be interesting for people to hear a little bit about your background and how you came to do what you do now. Yeah, sure. So um, I guess probably like a lot of entrepreneurs, I'm trying to solve the problems that I experienced firsthand myself. So prior to founding Aluba, I was working at a company called Hotels Combined, who are a price comparison website for hotels. They're now part of the booking.com group. And so part of my role there managing the analytics team was to do recruitment and analytics. So I'd be responsible for hiring data analysts, data scientists, data engineers, those kind of roles. And I found the entire process to be really painful in so many different ways. So very time-consuming, very costly, very hit and miss, you know, having to do a lot of different interviews to find the one candidate that, w- that we wanted. And so really, Aluba is all about solving that um, set of problems within analytics recruitment. So data analytics has obviously been an area that has absolutely exploded over the last few years, and pretty much every company needs um, people with those skills. But I, I really get the sense that there isn't a big understanding outside of the industry in terms of what these skills are, what data science is, what's the difference between the skill sets and the type of roles. 
could you sort of talk to us a little bit about the market in data science and data analytics and you know what what's going on what the definitions mean yeah for sure and and you're right to say it's a massive growth industry and it is continually evolving so i think what we saw a few years ago was that you'd have a sort of jack of all trades data scientist who basically was doing a bit of everything you can maybe imagine the early days of the internet 20 or 30 years ago where you had this one guy who was responsible for you know, building the website, doing the design, doing the maintenance, making sure it was running. And I think we're seeing a similar kind of situation now with data roles, where as data expands, each of the roles are getting more and more specific. So that sort of unicorn data scientist who is doing everything is now being split into several different roles. There's a few that have emerged that are very clear cut and most companies at a reasonable scale would have them. So firstly, would be like a data analyst. So a data analyst is typically a little bit closer to the business than a data scientist would be. Um, They typically work on kind of less complicated uh, problems. They're not really using AI or machine learning or deep learning, but they'd often be, um, you know, building dashboards, building reports, doing ad hoc analysis for the business. Um, They'd be using tools like some kind of programming language, normally Python or R. They'd be getting data from a database using SQL. And again, there's a certain expectation that have, you know, more of a kind of commercial head than what a data scientist would. And they're involved in kind of the day-to-day operations of the business. Um, a data scientist is basically often working on kind of more long-term strategic things. They're often trying to predict things in the future rather than look retrospectively. Typically, they're using more advanced statistical techniques. They're using machine learning and deep learning and natural language processing. And that's, that's their kind of role. They're typically, again, I'd say, a little bit less commercial, a little bit further away from the business, um, but doing some more advanced problems. And then the data engineer is like the plumber of the whole system. And they basically get data from A to B. So they're the ones who build the, the data pipelines that allow the data analysts and data scientists to analyze those results and derive insights. And I'd say they're the kind of key three roles that, that most large companies would have. So generally speaking, across the world, how... how- What's the market like? How easy or difficult is it to recruit in these type of roles? Yeah, it's very difficult um, for a few different reasons. So first is that uh, because until very recently, until probably the last three years, there was never really any formal training for data scientists. Basically, anyone could label themselves a data scientist or a data analyst or a data engineer on their CV and kind of just weasel their way into a role. And it's very hard, particularly at that kind of initial screening stage, to identify what exactly a candidate has based on on a CV. Um, so, yeah, data science in that sense is very different to, let's say, accounting, where you'd have a CPA or a CA, depending on the country that you're in. And that kind of defines exactly what someone should know. And if they have that, that's kind of tick that box. Data science is very different because it's been evolving so quickly until the last few years that there weren't these clear delineations in these different roles. And even if you work in data, it's kind of hard to keep on top of this. So if you're kind of a, a non-expert in recruitment or talent acquisition, it must be particularly difficult to, to keep on, on top of what exactly each of these roles is. So I'd say just that's the first issue, like a, a fast-moving, quickly developing market. And then the second piece is now almost like the opposite end of the problem. Now there's like this flood of new supply of graduates who come from data science degrees um, and master's degrees at various universities. And so now 
potentially uh, working in, in talent acquisition, you're potentially being inundated by hundreds and hundreds of applications that all seem to look kind of the same. And a lot of these candidates don't necessarily have the experience to actually implement things in practice in, in a commercial environment. So they'd be a couple of the leading issues at the moment, I'd say, in, in analytics uh, recruitment. Obviously, we're talking about a, a level of, of specialist knowledge that you would need to be able to spot who would sort of be a great candidate in these type of roles. How have these roles sort of traditionally been recruited and, and what, what are some of the issues with the process? Yes. Yeah, so um, we work with a lot of different companies in different industries in different countries. Um, and each company's recruitment process is you know, slightly different, but tends to follow a broad pattern which is, okay, um, we are going to put up job ads defining the role. So, you know, pretty typical job ad, we'll have the responsibilities, the requirements, the kind of skills expected, and they'll be funneling, you know, hundreds of candidates through these kind of job ads on LinkedIn, on Indeed, on Seek, on these kind of large platforms. And the very first step, I think, is where a lot of it falls down. So typically, you'll get a CV of a candidate. Every CV is different. Every CV has been written in a kind of unique way. And then someone in talent acquisition or an external recruiter will basically be looking at that CV, trying to match it to what they think is the profile of a good candidate for that role. And at that point, say, okay, this candidate looks good on paper. Let's bring them into the interview process. Or no, they don't seem to look good on paper. So let's send them a, a polite rejection. And that, I think, is the fundamental issue um, that we're trying to solve, certainly. What we've found so far is that basically it's really hard to tell from a piece of paper how good a candidate's going to be. Um, and so that comes across in two different, two different ways. So one is there's all these candidates who are actually excellent, um, but it just doesn't come through on a CV, particularly when you have like 600 applications to review. Um, and the other side of the equation is also true. So it's like candidates who look amazing on paper, then once you book them in, uh, in for an interview and you start speaking to them, you realize they don't have the basic skills required. So to put it another way, a CV is really a, quite a poor quality data set to be using um, to make that decision of should I interview this candidate or not. And our whole kind of framework is to say, well, let's replace the CV. Let's actually generate some new data around the skills and use that to figure out whether or not to bring them into the interview stage. Talk us through that. Talk us through how technology can solve the problem. And I suppose this is particularly interesting because working with data roles, having data to help you make that decision just seems to be a great fit. So talk us through how you're solving the problem. So basically, uh, our view is that, as I said, a CV is a reasonably low quality data set. And so let's just unpack that for a couple of reasons. Why is it low quality? So it's low quality because it's completely unstructured. Like someone can write a CV in any way they want. It could be one page, it could be five pages. It's, it's very hard to kind of analyze that data set automatically because it's so unstructured. So first thing is we try to create a nicely structured data set that is a lot easier to compare. So we do that by basically saying, okay, well, what are the skills that are needed for this role? Let's say it's a data analyst role, a data scientist role. So let's say, okay, for whatever reason, we think this candidate needs to have some basic statistical knowledge. They need to be able to program in Python R. They need to be able to query a database of SQL. They need to be able to um, build visualizations. They need to be able to um, understand A-B test experiments. So we built up a profile of the skills needed for that role. 
And then basically we'll invite every single candidate who applies for that role to take this kind of short screening quiz customized for that role. And we try to focus on um, asking candidates questions that have kind of black and white answers, which then allows us to basically automatically mark every quiz and rank candidates in a completely apples for apples way. So there's no bias that's coming into it. We're not looking at a CV and going, hey, like, I can't pronounce this guy's surname, so I'm going to sort of discriminate against him. I don't like the fact that he's, this person's too old, so I'm not going to put them forward, whether this is happening consciously or unconsciously. We basically try to remove that, replace that with this kind of skills-based assessment customized for each of the roles. And on the basis of how the candidates have gone in that, we say, okay, well, let's invite the, the top few uh, to the interview first and see how they go um, in the interview process. You're putting data into the screening process. And that's interesting about the unconscious bias there. Is that something that was that one of the prime objectives uh, when you set up the system? Yeah, for sure. Um, and just to give you a example of that, so I can remember trying to recruit a product analyst at my last company and, you know, waiting through hundreds of CVs, a CVs, which by the way, is basically like a collection of all the data points that you would want to have if you wanted to um, be biased against someone. Like a CV has someone's name, which implies their ethnicity and their, and their gender. You can um, figure out their age based on when they went to university or to high school. Um, even uh, socioeconomic status, you can often infer based on their location, um, especially in countries like America where that matters a lot there. Um, and so I can remember trying to hire this product analyst and reading through these hundreds of CVs. And one candidate stood out in particular. Um, a Brazilian guy who was a semi-professional footballer, okay? And we had a, like, lunchtime indoor soccer comp at work, and we could never quite win the competition. We needed just, like, one extra player to take us to that next level. And I saw this guy come up, and I thought, wow, beauty. I, I hope he's a good um, product analyst because he's obviously a good footballer, and we need an extra player there. So in my mind, because I'd seen his hobbies, I had elevated him above every other candidate, which is obviously completely unfair. And so that's a simple example of, of, you know, why we're kind of designing the system to remove all of that. We're removing all of that noise, which is stuff around someone's age, their gender, their ethnicity. None of this matters when it comes to figuring out who's the best person for the job. And that's really what we want to um, focus the outcome of our system to be. So there's obviously lots of technology now coming into the hiring process, whether that's through assessment or, or ranking or automation or, or chatbots or whatever that might be. Where do you think the balance is between what technology can help with and what humans should still be doing in the recruiting process? Yeah, so we have a pretty clear vision um, of this for our business. We think, this is our hypothesis at least, <laughs> we think that the kind of ultimate way to hire people is going to need the sort of perfect combination of what we call pragmatic analytics, which is, you know, defining what we should be measuring and measuring it very well, kind of like we do with, with people's skills. It's going to need to automate away some of these kind of fiddly time-wasting processes like scheduling interviews and kind of low-value stuff like that, which just bogs down the process. And then we need to wrap around what I call sort of human intelligence to do all the things that computers just can't do at the moment and I don't, I don't think you're going to be able to do for 100 years. So to give you a, a, a comparison, um, I'd say in our space generally, um, there's your kind of traditional recruitment, which is 100% human and manual, which um, has its pros and cons. I think it's 
potentially quite slow. It's potentially biased. It's, it's certainly costly. The other end of the spectrum is you kind of interview chatbots, which I don't think um, are really going to fly, particularly because the technology is not really there at the moment. Anyone who's used their kind of Google Nest or their iPhone and tried to do dictation knows that even Apple, Amazon, and Google haven't even solved the problem yet of understanding exactly what we say. So anything after that step isn't really going to work if you haven't understood what the candidates said. So we're trying to position ourselves in the kind of middle of, of those three pillars of pragmatic analytics, automating fiddly annoying things, uh, and then human intelligence to make the decisions that robots really, really can't make. So we're recording this at the end of March 2021. And all over the world, there are some very, very strange things going on in talent markets as we as we come out of the pandemic. Now, obviously, you, you work with companies all over the world on very, very specific type of hiring. What are you seeing in terms of the talent markets at the moment for data science and data analytics? Yeah, it um, varies from country to country. Um, but as a general theme, it is insatiable demand for analytics, data science kind of roles in now almost every industry. Um, now, different countries are at different kind of stages of development, I would say. So there's almost like a, a journey. You can imagine at one end of the spectrum, there's you sort of Amazons and Googles and Silicon Valley who are doing things at a, a, you know, an amazing degree of complexity. But then there's other businesses um, that we work with in kind of manufacturing or or those kind of areas where they're just kind of getting started um, and they're sort of just at the, the very basic beginning of, okay, what data should we look at? What should we measure and why? So it's a very fascinating kind of spectrum of, of different uh, points of development and still a, a huge amount of growth, I think, in the, the general industry. Um, in Australia in particular, where I am, it's a very interesting market at the moment because we've got uh, a few things happening. So one is in technology and data science in Australia, I would say at least half of everyone who works in those roles would be born overseas. So Australia relies heavily on, um, you know, high-skilled migration coming from other countries. And we basically had shut borders for 15 months now. And so we haven't had that normal, you know, flow of migration we would have. At the same time, there's a few technology companies here absolutely on fire. So Canva, uh, online graphic design, and also Atlassian um, are just on fire and hiring as many people as they can possibly get their hands on. So suddenly there's like this huge amount of competition for a very finite number of candidates, um, as well as all that kind of pent up demand that, that was, um, you know, not satisfied during, during the middle of last year when, when companies weren't hiring so much. So I think the Australian talent market in particular is very tough um, to kind of find those high quality candidates that you want. Interestingly for us, what we've found is a really nice little niche for us as a business because our process is very kind of skills-based and it creates this new data set around candidates. So even if customers use our product um, on the same set of candidates they were traditionally sourcing, we're kind of highlighting ones that they were, that they were ignoring before. We call, it, we call them the hidden gems. These are candidates who don't really stand out on paper or actually give them a chance to prove themselves that they're, they're amazing. So we're, we're finding an interesting niche there in a very competitive market. 
As a final question, obviously, as we now know, predictions about the future <laughs> are kind of somewhat impossible to make. But I'm interested in terms of your views on how recruiting is kind of going to evolve over the next sort of 12, 18 months, two years. What, what, do, you, what do you think we should be looking out for? Yeah, I think there's going to be some dramatic changes to the way that recruitment's been done in the past, that's for sure. Whether that's over the next sort of 18 to 24 months or or you know, three to, to five years. I imagine it going down the kind of productization route as so many other services we have in society. So you can imagine, you know, booking a taxi or booking a hotel or a flight or getting your food delivered. Imagine how painfully hard that was 10 to 20 years ago before Uber, booking.com, Airbnb came along. And you know, imagine how simple it is now relative to then. I can see recruitment going down a similar path. So fundamentally, recruitment is like a matching problem, trying to match the right person with the right role at the right time. And I think to do that, you need to have high-quality data sets. You need to understand who is the hiring manager, who is the company, who is the candidate, and kind of match those two together. And I see that being the way forward. And so I think it's going to be a combination of automating away a lot of these time-wasting things creating new quality data sets you can actually use to make better decisions and kind of wrapping that all into a nice product experience in the same way you would have now booking uh, an Uber compared to having to stand on the side of a, a corner and hail a cab, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. Tim, thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks for your time, Matt. My thanks to Tim Freestone. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.